So it's my great pleasure today to welcome Dr. Tim Merrick, who's an executive life coach, to this podcast from the Human Wisdom Project. Tim, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Minaj. So today I thought we'd talk about the importance of questions and, in, and their role of questions in helping us discover wisdom or live with wisdom. Well, first of all, I think you and I are on the same page. Uh, I love questioning. You know, the fact that I ended up uh, through many, many iterations in my life to, as a coach, and my main job is asking questions. <laughs> you and I are going to be on, a, on the same page. But um, two things I heard you say, what's the importance of questions? And what's the importance of questions to wisdom? Yes. So before we go there, maybe it's best that we look at like, what, what, what do we think wisdom is? Well, how, do, how do we define wisdom? Well, the thing is, there'll be as many definitions as people, but maybe we should say this is what we mean by the word. And I, what wisdom to me means living with this inner intelligence, a seeing clearly. See, the seers of the world were just wise men. And they use the word seer as a person who saw clearly not just what's happening in the world, but also what's happening inside. And once you have that clarity, then you can respond with this inner intelligence and we could call that wisdom. What do you think? Well, I like that. So I'm hearing wisdom uh, is inner and outer knowledge. Um, my thought on wisdom is that it I think a lot of people conflate knowledge and wisdom, and I don't think knowledge alone. We can learn and learn and learn and learn without necessarily having the the insight or the uh, the judgment, the yes. discernment that would come from. How do we take that knowledge and have it make sense? Yes. And for me, you can't make sense without first plumbing the inner depths, because I think there's for me that inner world is what actually erupts into the outer world. So I, I don't think we can have one or the other. So some people say, for example, wisdom comes with age, <clears throat> but experience doesn't always bring wisdom, you see. Okay, I mean, it might do in some respects, like you'll know not to touch a hot oven, <laughs> for example. You've learned that, but would you call that wisdom? A child touches it, an older person wouldn't. But I'm thinking, you know, you could, have, you could be an older person that carry all your prejudices from childhood. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, I know now, I'm older, I know. And you say, I'm wise, you have to listen to me. And of course, that's not wisdom, right? Someone once asked me a long time ago, I was, um, was a mentor and I had been in practice for 20 years at that time. And he said, well, let me ask the question. Have you been in practice for 20 years? Or you have, have you been in practice one year, 20 times? <laughs> so age does not necessarily confer wisdom, no. but it, it allows us to have the experiences. And if we then take those experiences and try to incorporate them, try to make sense out of them with what we know, mm -hmm. then I think, you know, and that's all association. That's, that's the mind that trying to help to, that's, I think, where the discernment can come. So we could, could we say that it may bring wisdom or may lead you to wisdom, but not necessarily so? 
or I think it that's leads fair. you to wisdom if you learn from that experience about yourself. Which, which requires asking yourself questions. Exactly. <laughs> so let's take, let's begin with the first question. Um, you know, let's start with America, because you're in, uh, which part of the world are you? I am Durham. presently in North Carolina. I moved here from New York City just a little while ago. Durham, North Carolina, I think you said, yes. That's right. Okay. So take the huge divisions in American society between, say, Republicans and Democrats. By the way, that's repeated all over the world in some shape or form. <laughs> yes. What's the question we can ask that can help us uncover why that is? Hmm. An answer sprang to my mind. I'll share it, but then I, I went to ask more questions about it. But the answer that, that, that I wanted to give is that um, I've always tried to understand each person I'm talking to, even if I don't agree with them, even if they have very different opinions than mine. And so I always want to know, how do the two of us, where do the two of us meet? Where do we actually see some things the same? And can we build from there? Yes. So that would be maybe the question. And, I, and maybe it's in our shared humanity. Maybe that's really all it is. But there's something, uh, my next door neighbor, for instance, has a very, very different political outlook than I do. But that doesn't stop us from having lovely chats over the back fence. Hmm. Because he's a man and I'm a man and we both have lived on this world a long time. And we've had experiences and we have had love and we have had loss and we have had passion and you know we are humans but I you're think unusual you said neighbors Tim, because in most cases strong attachment to political opinions divides people more than offense you know and so on you know what i mean to the extent where people are ready to kill each other over the strong beliefs that they have yeah. so the question is why does somebody to me Interesting question is, suppose you and I have different political beliefs. What's going on in our thinking that led us to have such different beliefs and be so sure that we are right, each of us is right? This may be recursive, but I'm coming back to your idea of questioning. And... I believe our society has created great pressure to no answers. Mm -hmm. I, I don't mean to be sexist, but sometimes even men, I think, are, have more pressure to, uh, as a man, I'm supposed to know everything. I'm supposed to know how to, to raise my family and to take care of the world. And, you know. um, but if I'm pressured to know and I cannot know, mm. I must choose. And then I defend, perhaps defend my choices because goodness gracious, I don't want to be back out there in the unknown, mm -hmm. the uncertain. There's danger in not knowing somehow. Yes. Well, that, that leads me to another question which we could explore after this one, which is why do we need to have an opinion at all? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but let's, <laughs> let's explore that one uh, yeah. later because okay. we'll get sidetracked. But to me, it's really clear that it's our unconscious conditioning that leads us to have such strong opinions. Because the minute I ask that question, I realize, why do I dislike somebody I've never met? 
or even hate somebody I've never met. You know how strong people's opinions are. If we need to know an answer and we need to defend our answers, uh, then everything else becomes a threat. Yes. There is, there is, you know, I've staked my claim. This is what I believe. And if you have a difference of opinion, you're actually threatening my security. Yes. So why do we get so attached to our particular opinions? See, I do think it's natural. So I don't want to, I don't want to put a pail on humanity and say, we're all messed up. We need to survive. We are animals after all. And in order to survive in a hostile environment, we must take disparate bits of information that we pick up from the environment, mm. sew them into a narrative that mm. will help us to survive. Mm. I think I may have used this when we first spoke, but you know, I, I'm in the woods. I, I, I smell a very pungent organic odor. I hear a deep grunt and all the birds are flying away. So here's three bits of information. I would add to it, I'm also noticing that my heart is racing because my body has responded before my brain. Yes. My hands are sweaty and I'm breathing rapidly, right? And so I take the three internal bits of information, the three external bits of information, I sew it together. There's a predator nearby, I'm in danger. Mm. So we take, it might not be true, I had that experience. Mm. And what it turned out to be was a porcupine inside of an enclosure chewing on wood that resounded and echoed and it sounded very dangerous. <laughs> I'm sure, it, yeah. Well, in that environment, the intelligent thing is to check for a threat, right? Yeah, we don't but, have the, uh, the luxury of waiting to see if it's a bear. No, no. <laughs> but if someone's telling me about a different political opinion. Yeah. See. How does that trigger the same survival? It triggers survival? the same response. And I think it's because maybe we are so, it doesn't matter what opinion it is, but we become attached to it, you see. And, it, and, and I think it's attached for safety. I think that attachment helps us feel safer in the world to know. Or is that just a way, it's, a, it's one of those unconscious patterns of thinking, one of those automated patterns of thinking that sure. just as we are unconsciously conditioned by our past, we're also attached to our conditioned. Or it could yes. be, or it could be that having an opinion like that contributes to our identity. Yeah. And the identity contributes to us feeling safe in the world. Yes. And then, of course, that becomes patterned, like you say. So all of that, and it develops when we're quite young, I believe. And, yes. and those patterns persist and persist, even when we look at the world around us and say, that might not be the most healthy pattern for yes. us today. But you first have to stop and ask the question, yes. is it possible, A, that that's not the healthiest way to respond? Maybe not. And as soon as you open that, now we've, we realize now I have choices about how I respond. But you had to ask the question, Yes. is it healthy? It, or is, is there another way to respond? Is, is there more than one way? Yes. Or is there another way to see the same situation? You know? And that's what we were saying before, the beauty of the question. 
Yes. Once the question exists, you have actually increased your knowledge without any answers. Yes. Ah, there may be more than one way. Aha. Uh -huh. The question opens the door to wisdom, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Without the question, then we are just, we're knowing machines. And as we've seen, we can't all be right and we all have different opinions. So an awful lot of us <laughs> are in the wrong in that situation. But the fascinating thing for me that awakens compassion perhaps, even for someone with very different views, is that the other person doesn't know why, doesn't know what's going on, doesn't know they've been conditioned, doesn't know they're unconsciously attached to their conditioning. The process is beyond their control or their awareness. Presently. It's the same process in the other person and in me. Well, that's what I love about your the, the construct that you have, Manoj, is that we, we are all the same yes. person in that this is how humans operate. Yes. And, and, and that's what I was saying about how, how can I get along with someone else is in that recognition. Yes. My neighbor is the same man as I am. Yes. Yes. He's made different choices than I have. And who am I to say that that's right or wrong? It's right for him. But to come to that point, Tim, you need wisdom. You need that clarity of understanding that you and he are the same human being deep down. Because without that, you may think, oh, we are really different. I can't get on with this guy. I can't bear to see him, talk to him. How dare he support the opposite, whatever it is, <laughs> and so on. You see, absolutely. And and what really amazes me, if you if you take that other stance that we are different and therefore we are somehow enemies, or we are, you know, we can't get along. There is no level. I mean, there's there's more and more and more and thinner and thinner ways we can slice this to people who have very very similar feelings than me who can still object to my way of seeing things. Yes. There is no level of that, you know? But you see the other side of that coin is just as much I may hate and dislike someone who has a different opinion to me. <clears throat> and we see the implications of that in the world, right? Mm. Or, and, and so on. <clears throat> the opposite is also actually equally risky which means I gravitate towards people who think exactly like me. <laughs> well, if we're looking at wisdom, wisdom, I don't believe that any of us can know anywhere close to all that there is to know, right? Yeah. There's just so much unknown out here. And I think one of the dangers of this siloed uh, thinking is that, you know, if I'm in an echo chamber where everyone believes the same thing as me, I stop asking questions. Yes. Yes. Literally having the diversity in the world is what keeps me going, oh, oh, there's different ways of people have. Oh, my goodness. You know, and it keeps the questions coming. And behind the question or before the question arises, we need one more thing. Einstein said this. He said, I'm just passionately curious. I'm not very clever, he said. Oh, that may not be true. Oh, yeah, said, yeah. I'm passionately curious. That's how a patent clerk, you know, invented, uh, you know, all that stuff. 
And so maybe if we carry with us that sense of curiosity, and from that curiosity comes the question, why is the other person got such a strong attachment to a totally different point of view? <laughs> I, I think that curiosity is maybe the biggest gift that we can carry for that very reason. It seeks knowledge. Curiosity seeks knowledge, yes. seeks wisdom. Yes. Uh, and that curiosity is not just about the other person, but about also about ourselves, right? Why do I think this way? Why do I feel this way? What's going on inside me to make me dislike somebody else? <laughs> and so on, you see? I've, I've laughed. Um, I have four brothers. And we laughed that one of the, the traits of being Americ, my last name, is that we somehow all have this uh, silly uh, way that if you ask us a question about anything, we will answer you. <laughs> As if all knowledge is here. Oh, no, yeah, ask me. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how that is. And it, it's this sort of know-it-all mentality. But underneath it all, it, it can seem like a terrible, um, a terrible burden. But underneath it all is the question of, oh, if you ask me that question, I have to stop and think. And it helped me so much as a doctor. I think a lot of times as a doctor, you stop learning when you get out of school or you might. But every time a patient asks a question, you know, there's an awful lot that we don't know. And every time they say, but why, doctor? Well, let me, let me try to figure that out. Let me try to make sense out of it. And so that curiosity is constantly evolving the, the doctor in that case or the human being. You know, and we mostly focused outward. And what I love about what you're doing is now we're starting to send that curiosity inward. Yes, yes. Okay. So we explored this one about division and conditioning and belief and, and all of that and how it comes from our unconscious conditioning. Shall we move on to the an associated question, which is perhaps linked to you and your brothers, which is, why do we always need to have an opinion? Uh, See? Is that part and parcel to what we had mentioned before about the desire for safety and security? Is it also, hmm, I think there's probably many ways we could come at that. What do you think, Manoj? What's, what's your well, thinking? Sure. I wonder whether <clears throat> having an opinion strengthens the sense of self, mm. my sense of self-importance. You know, I have an opinion, I matter, I want you to believe, listen, etc. And sometimes I ask myself, do I need to have an opinion? <laughs> and quite often the answer is no. Do I need to express it? <laughs> and again, the answer is often no. And when I ask the third question, often I'll say nothing at all, which is, how is that going to be received? <laughs> and by the time I ask these three questions, I pretty much end up smiling benignly at people, you know. Uh, but you do bring up a really, you know, interesting question. I think there is a deep drive to know oneself. Yes. And even though maybe our culture still keeps, you know, looking outward for the answers, um, having an identity, 
um, is, is there's a there's a natural drive to want to express oneself, to know oneself and to express oneself into the world. Yes. And I think, I mean, why, in some ways you might say, why else am I here? But to bring whatever gifts I have to contribute, you know, nature does not suffer uh, redundancy too much. You know, if we're not needed, we tend not to exist. <laughs> so there must be a reason I'm here. I'm here to bring what gifts I have. Hmm. But what I notice as a coach uh, working with men my age, mm. we've brought our wisdom, we've brought our gifts, and we get to a place where, you know, that was yesterday. Well, what about today? Mm. Oh, and now there's a constant need to learn more, to bring more, and to reinvent oneself. Mm. And so when you're saying, why do we have an opinion? I think there's a natural desire to bring that, mm. but we get stuck on them. Can they become more fluid? Yes. Have you noticed that the same trigger each time will trigger the same opinion? Yes. Each and every time. But we just, we're not even aware of that. I mean, you notice it more in other people. So these opinions get re, uh, reinforced, repeated. And then, then they become embedded in stone. We never look, we never question it. Yeah. That's how prejudice. That's not fluid. Form. That's, that's rigidness. How, yeah, that's how prejudices form, you see. Yeah. You know, I, why do I think that way? Is there another way to think about the same thing? My goodness, that opens the door to so many discoveries. You, you know, I have this habit. Uh, when, when I get on a call with a client, my desire is to be very present and to make sure both of us are in the, the moment, right? Mm -hmm. That we're not sort of in some patterned automatic way of being. And my client will typically start by saying, so how are you today? Mm -hmm. Well, let me, let me stop and ask myself, mm -hmm. right? So, and I will come up with something authentic about what's going on for me right now. And that brings that presence to them and they become what, what's, who am I right now? But I hear that that's, that's just a little trick that I play over here, but that quality mm. could be used everywhere. Yes, yes, to be present. And what do you know about this? What do you know about this? And your response, reaction is automatic, but yeah. maybe I should say, well, hold on, let me, this is what I thought I knew. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe let's take that. another look. Yeah, I really like that way of looking at it. So I love the word authentic. So to be authentic, you can't be automatic. Thank you. Right? You have to pause. Yeah. You have to reflect. You know, there's a poet in India called Tagore. He died a long time ago. But he had this beautiful poem called um, Where the Mind is Without Fear. And there's a line in that called Where the Words Come Out from the Depths of Truth. See? So our mind, if one is watchful, is reactive and automatic. And to be authentic and present, we need to recognize that and maybe just pause and reflect. And reach for that depth. And reach for that, for that depth of truth. And as you said, uh, be tentative. We're so certain all the time, aren't we? We rarely come across and say, 
Well, I'm not sure, but maybe, you know, whatever. It's always bang, 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 I'm sure, and you're wrong. It's not <laughs> each of us personally, by the way. It's the mind's wired like that, you see? Yeah. I do think there's a, a give and take. There's a time we need to be decisive. Yes, perhaps. The house is burning. Mm -hmm. This is not a time to say, hmm, well, I wonder. You know, there's that thou, you know, the reason we have the amygdala response, right, is go, you know, take action, go, go deal with, you know, uh, with the danger. In fact, our, our frontal cortex, which is more of the questioning ability to make sense out of it, it literally gets shut down. It's like, sorry, no time for you right now. Yeah. We need to cope with this danger. So I don't want to, I think there's a give and take there. I think that we want to still be able to be decisive, but know when is it wise Yes. yes. to stop. Yes. But because you see, by the way, nothing, none of this we're talking about is right or wrong. It's just the way the mind is wired. It's not good or bad. But pausing to understand what's happening in the back room, that allows us to respond with intelligence and wisdom. Right? 100%. You know. So quite often when I ask myself, do I need to have an opinion at all? <laughs> we never ask that question, do we? And I can tell you from uh, my experience in the domestic world, it is quite often better if I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, yes, it's like, well, what do you think, honey? Yes, yes. Uh, How do I look in know, this dress? Or is that too sexist? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it, I allow it perhaps because I'm a man, you know, um, but I hear you. It's like there's that, there's the automatic that we've learned from that response. And maybe the better question is to say, what is, and in this case, I'm, I'm assuming it's a she because she's wearing a dress, but I have no issues if he's wearing a dress, but this person who asks, how do I look? What are they really asking? Yes. What do they want to know? And so now I ask myself a question about the question. Yes. And honey, I think you you're beautiful. Yes. How can you be kind? See what I mean? Yeah. How will my opinion help in this situation? Yeah. Does it really matter? See, quite often it doesn't matter. I mean, you're right. There are times when it does matter and we need to be clear and decisive and all of those things. But so often we just need to be kind. <laughs> And we really are, because our automatic mind stops us being kind. Well, so it makes me want to ask you the question. Um, how do we elicit compassion? Hmm. Not from others, but from ourselves. What is it? What is it? What's the state of being? What's the understanding? What's the wisdom that has us choose compassion? rather than say judgment or, um, you know, some other form of creating difference. Yes. I think it comes from a deeper self-understanding because the automatic response of our mind, of our thinking process is precisely 
to be judgmental, to be unkind, to our self-interest is operating in the background somewhere. We want to assert ourselves, our opinion. We want to be important uh, and all of that. Right? And even helpful, but that can show up as a judgmental and opinionated and etc. Yes. So I think it's just being aware of all of that operating in the background that then allows us the freedom to pause mm. yes. and ask, what is the kind thing to do? I've often found myself in a situation, either asking myself or asking a client, what if we started out with the assumption that everything's okay? If, can, if we had the foundation of safety, if we had the foundation of, you know, I'm not threatened about money, I'm not threatened with my, you know, position. If I start with that, everything's okay. Then how would I address this differently? And maybe that's what you're talking about in terms of compassion. Yeah, I think we are, I hesitate to use the word because it, but without wisdom, you are a prisoner of your past and of the automatic way the mind is wired. And that's a good, maybe perhaps it's a good expression because it implies that not to be a prisoner, to be free, means you have to do that work. You have to make that, put that energy into looking, learning about yourself on the inside. I, I share that completely. I've used different words, but absolutely. When we are acting in our automatic, yes, then that's not choice. No. no. The only way we can be free is if we choose. And the only way we can choose is if we are present in the moment yes. and can say, that's my automatic, yes or no? Yes. Who am I now? Right. So that freedom that we all desire, that freedom that we revere so much only exists in the present. And you know, if we ask questions. Perhaps we could end this uh, wonderful conversation, which I've enjoyed thoroughly, with an anecdote I shared. I was with some children. You know, I work with children too. Our 10-year-olds, we were talking about anger. So, you know, anger is the automatic response. So I gave them several scenarios and I said, okay, there's always an automatic response, but what's the intelligent response? See? And they were so good for every scenario. You know, somebody calls you, uh, you know, a name, there's an automatic response. So listen to this eight-year-old girl. I said, so somebody calls you a name. She said, yeah, maybe they called me pea brain. Okay, I said, okay, they call you a pea brain. I said, what's the automatic response? And she said, well, I'll just call them pea soup or I'll call them some other name, you know, and I'll get angry and cross with them and, and so on. You too, but more of it. Yeah, 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 or whatever. I said, what's the intelligent response? And she said, this is eight. And she said, I would realize that they're hurting inside. And I would go up to them and say, are you okay? 
shall we play? Wow. Isn't that beautiful? From the mouth of babes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But see, again, it's in the question. What's the automatic response? And what is the intelligent response in that situation? Yeah. Yeah. And I find the, the challenge is having me or my clients be able to bring the awareness to that moment when they're triggered. Yes. To recognize the automatic so well that when it just starts to show up, you say, oh, that's what that is. Oh, that's what this is. Yeah. And, and then you ask, either, what's the intelligent response? Instead? Yeah. But, but it's the awareness to see that that's, that's what, what is. That's why we, we name our, uh, with my clients, we have a fun game where we name our automatics. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And, and they're silly names so that we can go, oh, that's that thing happening. Oh, I get it. You know. And maybe this is where um, the n quiet mind is really helpful or nurturing a quiet mind is really helpful because it gives you that space for intelligence to come in and to ask the question and, to, you know, and so on. I, I don't, I, for whatever reason, I call it like the, the, the meta awareness where you you realize that i'm in the experience and you're watching yourself have the experience and that comes i believe from that quiet mind uh, from years of meditation perhaps from from choosing to be in that place yeah. but i think from that place it's easier to see and to choose uh well there i am i'm doing that rather than being sort of can't see the forest for the trees you know well, I really enjoyed this, Tim. So maybe we can have another conversation where we can continue asking more questions. <laughs> I would love that. I really enjoyed I get, it. I get so much from you, Manoj. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. To find out more about the Human Wisdom Project, please visit our website, humanwisdom.me.